Grab your Bibles, turn with me. Just open them. I don't know where I'm going yet, but just open them. We'll get there in a second. We're in a series um, that we're calling Redeemed. We know it's the Christmas season. It's a time to talk about the coming of Jesus. And we so appreciate the fact that he came, uh, Emmanuel, God with us. Isn't that beautiful? That God would come down and join us um, and to, to live life as a man so that he could redeem us. And, and it's so beautiful. I mentioned something last week and I said it and it crossed my mind that, you know, um, as a, Sometimes I say things and, and I think that you as a listener may, may just think, well, that's just one of those Jody's trying to hype us up sayings. Um, but I made this statement and, and it goes way deeper than me trying to get an excited response from you. I said to you last week that I feel like COVID has no place in the body of Christ. And I did not say that just to get you excited because I'm very well aware that COVID has had, has had an effect on the body of Christ, yes or no? It has, I personally have had COVID. Now I had the world's greatest COVID experience. I don't mind telling you. I, um, I was on a hunting trip in Missouri when I started noticing that I couldn't taste or smell anything. And um, that's the only symptoms I had. Well, uh, if you know me, I'm, I'm an introvert and I actually am the guy who gets, um, I get refilled and energized being alone. And so I'm on this hunting trip, staying with a friend of mine up in Missouri, something I do every year, go stay with this family. Well, when I started experiencing COVID symptoms, I thought, well, I need to, I need to quarantine. <laughs> and so, uh, my quarantine was I went to the woods before daylight every morning and I stayed in those woods till after dark every evening. And then I'd drive back to my buddy's house and instead of going in his house, he's got this big barn. He would open the barn. I'd drive my truck in there, close the door behind me, run an extension cord into my, into my, my truck and I'd sleep there. And his wife would hand me food through the window. I don't know you guys. I mean, is that not the perfect? If you're going to have COVID... Do it that away. But I made this statement that, that COVID has no place in, in the body of Christ. And, and here's, I really want you to get this. Please listen to me. I didn't pull that out of thin air or I didn't just drum that up to get you excited. It really comes from Psalm 91. Because Psalm 91 says to us, it says that he that dwells in the secret place of the most high and it goes on, if you keep reading in that chapter, you'll find that another qualifying statement is if you make the Lord your habitation. So the qualifying part of this is to, to those of us who know how to make the Lord our dwelling place, our habitation. In other words, we live within the presence of the Lord. Then Psalm 91 is full of promises for that person. And, and part of those promises, it actually says two times in that chapter, it uses the word epidemic. In other words, like we have freedom from epidemics if we are the one who dwells and in, 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 has their habitation in the presence of the Lord. 
Verse 10 specifically says, no evil shall befall you, neither shall any plague come near your dwelling. Am I? So I don't say to you, COVID has no place in the body of Christ. First of all, I don't say it to condemn you if you have had COVID. I'm not saying you're less than. We have lost some people who, are, who we dearly love, part of our family here, we have lost due to COVID. So I'm not making fun of that or not saying they were somehow less than. I'm saying it to say this, that I want to grow. I want to grow to the point where I understand what has been redeemed for me. And I want to grow to the point where I know, understand, and walk in everything that the Lord has for me. I always say it this way, you know, truth is eternal. Truth is not evolving. Truth isn't progressing. Truth is, and it always will be. So truth isn't moving. However, my knowledge of truth hopefully is growing. In other words, I hope there are things that I understand today that I did not understand yesterday. And the process continues. So I want to grow and honestly, I want to shepherd a family who's committed to growing in the truth of God. And so um, I hope that's your heart. I hope being here part of Victory that, that you have this, it's one of our core values, the idea of growth, that, that the Christian walk is about growth. So that's the reason I said that statement last week. I hope you understand it and I hope that it helps you even understand what we're going to deal with today. Turn in your Bibles with me to the book of 1 Peter. Let's begin there. 1 Peter chapter 1. The series we're doing is called Redeemed. And I want to show you kind of the main verse that is uh, kind of the overarching thought uh, in this series. 1 Peter chapter 1 beginning in verse 18. Here's how it reads. For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And it was not paid with mere gold or silver, which lose their value. It was with the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless lamb of God. So we're reading now out of the New Living Translation. And it says, for you know that God paid a ransom for you. Now, if you're reading King James, what you'll see instead of paid a ransom right there, it says the word redeemed. So we know that God has redeemed us. And last week we mentioned that redeemed means to purchase something back that was lost. So it was something that we had that was lost and Christ came to redeem it, to purchase it back for us. So there was a ransom paid. I love how, how Peter writes this. He says the, the ransom wasn't paid with something with little value like gold or silver. Doesn't that sound ridiculous? Because in our culture, we're like gold, silver, money. He's like, ah, oh, no, that's not it. That loses its value. In other words, in the kingdom, that has very little value. But it was paid with something even more valuable than gold and silver. It was it was paid with the precious, the precious blood of Christ. In this season, we're celebrating the fact that Messiah came. 
He came for one purpose, and that's to set us free by his precious, spotless blood. And for that, church, if nothing else, we ought to say thank you. Would you join me right now and just tell the Lord thank you? Come on, bow your head, close your eyes, forget everything else you're thinking of, and just say thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the blood, Lord. Thank you for what you've done for us. We honor you, Jesus. So in this series, this is kind of the verse we're going to use as as the overarching thought for this entire series. But this morning, I specifically want to bring you to Isaiah, the 53rd chapter. So turn to Isaiah 53. And what I do want to do is just kind of walk through this book with you. And I want to show you some truths and uh, give you some information that I will believe will help us in our walk. Isaiah 53, actually, if you back up to to the book before that, at the end of Isaiah 52, there's some prophetic words being spoken. Remember that the book of Isaiah was written by the man Isaiah who was a prophet. So the book of Isaiah is a book of prophecy. So there's a lot of prophecy spoken in the book of Isaiah. Some of it is prophecies about Israel. Some of it is prophecy about the Messiah. Specifically, what we're going to be dealing with this morning was prophetic words spoken about Jesus. Okay? So this is, this is centuries before Jesus shows up. This is prophecies that are coming out about the Messiah, who is Jesus. And so at the end of chapter 52, we see some, some, a prophetic word there about the Messiah, about the coming Jesus. And then it rolls into Isaiah 53. And at the very first verse, look at this very first verse with me. Isaiah 53, verse 1 says this, Who has believed our message? Or to whom has the Lord revealed his powerful arm? Now, I want to admit to you that as I was, as I was studying that this week, this, this, this chapter... I almost skipped over this verse because I just kind of saw it as an introductory verse. You know, if you, if you read the epistles a lot, you'll see, you know, the first couple of verses are just throwaway verses. No, they're not. <laughs> but we tend to run over them, you know, pretty quick because they're just kind of an introduction. And I was, as I was about to do that this week, the, the Lord really kind of highlighted this in my spirit. It says, who, who has believed our message? If you're reading in the King James right now and you've got, a, uh, you've got some study Bible, or you know, some study, like little extra study notes there, you'll see that the word message there is the word doctrine. So it's like Isaiah at the end of verse, at chapter 52 had been, had been giving some uh, uh, a messianic prophetic words. He's, he's given a little prophecy there. And then right here in the middle, he stops and asks a question. Who's gonna believe this doctrine? Who, who believes this message? And then it goes on to say, to whom has the Lord revealed his powerful arm? And it posed this question to me, kind of gave me this thought that I believe goes right along with the series we're in. If he asks the question, who believes this message? It means to me that there are people who will not. They were, there are some who will believe it and there are some who will not believe it. So before he, he rolls into more of this prophetic utterance, he asks the question, who's going to believe it? And so the question I want to ask you today, church, is the same that Isaiah asked us in this passage. Is it, are you going to believe this? 
Are you going to believe what the Lord says? Are you going to take God's word for God's word? Are you going to take it as truth and put your hope and faith in it? Are you truly going to believe this? Are you going to miss it? But it goes on to say that there's actually a revelation part of this too. Like to whom has God revealed his powerful arm? As, as eloquent as I want to think I am as a communicator, I cannot help you see all of who God is. It's only by his Holy Spirit that we truly see God. And so as I was reading this, I was... My thought was, God, would you, would you create such a hunger in the, us as a church body that we would not want to miss one thing, that we would believe all of the report, that we would believe all of the doctrine. Count me, Lord, among those who believe. And also my prayer is, God, would you please bring revelation? Would you pre please bring revelation? These words that I stand up here and speak, God, I stammer, I stutter, I even have an accent. So Lord, my words can't do it, but would you breathe on them? And would you bring a level of revelation that would blow our minds and move us forward? If you are accepting, if you are open for revelation, would you just say yes to the Lord right now? Lord, would you show us this morning? So that's my prayers that God would give us revelation. So he begins, Isaiah begins in this first chapter. Who's going to believe this? I believe it's a challenge for us. So I challenge you to believe this. And then as, as, you, as you begin reading, there's 12, 12 verses in Isaiah 53. And as you begin reading, you start seeing um, a description of the coming Messiah. He says, Speaking of God, he said, God looked down and saw Jesus as a, a sapling coming up in dry land. In other words, God foresaw Jesus coming to earth and being planted as a, as a tree that would bring provision in a dry and desolate place. So God's looking down from heaven, sees the condition of earth and says, There's a, I'm planting a tree there. And then it begins to describe Jesus. And, and the description is interesting because, um, and this gives me great hope, is that Jesus was just average looking. Gives me great hope. It says, you know, there was nothing, there was nothing particularly attractive about Jesus. And again, I say, thank you, Lord. It's the same reason I say thank you to Lori for marrying me. Come on, that was funny. You can laugh, it's okay. Right? Because, you know, even, uh, I'm just being way down home today. You know, every once in a while, I'll go on the internet too and look at other pastors. And I'm like, look at that dude's hair. No wonder he's got a big church. He's got the coolest hair. And I'm hopeless there. I mean, really. And I'm like, this dude, man, I mean, look. I mean, Stephen Furtick is just ripped. You know, and it's like, I'd go to his church if I lived there too. Just look at that dude. <laughs> but the description of Jesus in Isaiah 53 says, really there was nothing particularly attractive about him. 
All you average guys in the congregation, I'll just say amen. <laughs> right? And but, so it describes that part about him. But, and it's interesting too, as you read, because it says there's nothing particularly attractive about him. And, but then it starts talking about how the, the community treated him. And just, it's almost like, look, I mean, this was just an average dude, but for some reason, nobody liked him. And, 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 and he just, he, he, he was suffering. He was, it's like the crowds didn't like him. They didn't. And, and so it's this prophecy of Jesus. He was just an average looking guy, but he just struggled. And then it goes on to describe actually what we know would be the description of the crucifixion and, and those last moments of his life and what he endured. And the whole time there's this overriding, if you read the, the entire chapter, you'll find that there's this overriding thought that he didn't deserve what he was getting. You think, of, you think that like this is unfair that Jesus would be treated in the way that he was until you start picking up throughout, scattered throughout the chapter that nothing that was happening to him was happening because of his own fault. He was doing it. everything that happened to him happened to him as our substitutionary sacrifice. In other words, when he was shamed, it wasn't because he had done anything shameful. It was because Jody had done something shameful. And when he was bruised, he wasn't bruised for his own iniquities. He was bruised for my iniquities. And if you go through, you'll just see blow after blow after blow. Things that happened to him, but there's this overriding thought that he didn't deserve any of it. It was completely unfair. And the reason it was unfair was because he wasn't paying for anything that he had lost. He was paying for something that I had lost. It was completely substitutionary sacrifice. And it even says in Isaiah chapter 53, it even says at one point that God, listen how crazy this is, that it pleased God to crush him. It pleased God to crush him. Why is that? I mean, that sounds so ridiculous. I'm a father and there's nothing in me that wants to see my children crushed or hurt. But it actually pleased God to crush him. Why? Well, it's because God is a God of justice. And you know what was happening on the cross? Justice was happening. There was, a, there was a wrong that had to be righted. And it, at the cross, there was a, a wrong being righted. It just happened to be Jesus who was writing it. Not W-R. R-I-G-H-T. He was writing it. It was as if... It, it, the best example maybe, maybe looks something like this. Let's say that, that you or I... Um, went out and committed a homicide and it was like intentional, like premeditated, like I think that's called murder one, like premeditated murder. I mean, a, a horrible offense that, that was committed. And of course we were arrested for it and we were tried for it and we were found guilty and the sentence was death. Death is the sentence. It was a real crime and it needed a real payment. So the sentence was death. So then I'm locked up and I'm put on death row. And as I'm waiting in death row, 
I find out that someone came in and said, hey, this person is guilty. Jody is guilty of this. And, and we know that, that Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death. And so we know that there has to be a price paid. Can I tell you this? Jesus, God didn't just excuse your sin. He paid for it. He didn't just excuse it. He didn't just say, well, let me just overlook this. No, because he's a God of justice, he can't overlook it. So instead he sent Jesus and Jesus went in and died for me. So the wrong was righted. Jesus took the death penalty that was handed to me. The sin was paid for, but I I have a feeling really my concern with the body of Christ is that we truly don't understand what all happened in that moment. I believe we see redemption as some broad, some broad thing that happened, like somehow Jesus just paid for my sins. And of course he did that. But if you know anything about God, it's never that simple. There's layers of truth and depth here. And my concern is that most of us in the body of Christ, all we know is that Jesus died for my sins. We don't understand the freedom that he purchased for us in the same way that as, as I find out that Jesus had died for me. And so the, the penalty, if I'm that one who was sentenced to death and, and I find out that Jesus came and took that penalty for me, then in the same way that as the guards would come down to my cell and unlock my door and say, Jody, you are guilty You were found guilty. You were sentenced to death. Somebody had to die. But the good news is, if the guard would say to me, the good news is someone has died in your place and you are free. And they were to open that cell and and unlock it and say, Jody, you're free. And I would say, thank you, but I would remain in the cell. I would remain in that cell. Not knowing that not only did Jesus... um, purchase our freedom from sin. It went way beyond that church. It went way beyond that. Not only did he redeem us, he justified us. Not only did he redeem us, he justified us. Justification talks about being restored to a place of honor. So not only did that guard come and open my cell and open the door and said, you're free. No, he said, listen, Jody, you're free now, but not only are you free, um, we want to to give you a new house. We want to give you a new place to live. We want to give you a new position in society. We want to give you influence. We want to to set you up as um, an elder in this city and a person of affluence and, and, and great influence. Here's what we have for you. That's what Jesus has done for us, church. But we don't understand that. We become the prisoner still sitting in a cell that we think belongs to us, but the price has been paid, not just for our freedom, but to return us to the place of favor with God. Much more than we understand has been redeemed for us. And to illustrate that, I want to bring you to Isaiah 53. And and here's a thought I have from Isaiah 53. You don't have to agree with me, but I submit this to you. I believe you'll you'll find that that this uh, this is correct. Is that I believe that redemption wasn't one single act that set us free. I believe personally that everything that happened to Jesus from the moment he was arrested in the garden 
until he resurrected from the dead, I believe every single act was purchasing something for us. I don't believe there was one arbitrary or random event happening to Jesus from the time he was arrested till the time he was resurrected from the dead. So it wasn't just that he died for our sins. No, because Isaiah 53 goes through several things. He said, you know, he was wounded for our transgression. In other words, there was a transgression that needed to be redeemed. So the redemption for that transgression was a wound. And there was, a, there was an iniquity that needed to be redeemed, so there was a bruise. You see it? So he was doing, it wasn't just one single thing that happened. It was, he was going through the process of redeeming us with every step that happened to him after his arrest. Remember that the Bible gives us some details about his arrest. You know, it says that, that uh, in, in the garden, even before he was arrested, as he's praying, he's praying under such conviction and strength that he sheds drops of blood. There's actually a teaching called the seven sheddings of blood. I encourage you to look it up. It's seven times where Jesus shed blood during his crucifixion, during his passion there. And I believe each one of those times was purchasing something for us. He's sitting there in the garden praying. And, and as he's praying, he begins to sweat drops of blood. I believe that was a redemptive work. You say, well, Jody, what are you talking about? Listen, in that moment, you know what Jesus was struggling with? His own willpower. I have a will. I have a plan. I have something I want and God has something for me. And Jesus was caught in that moment in between those my will versus God will, God's will. But in that moment, he shed blood and he redeemed our willpower so that you and I don't have to be victims to our flesh and slaves to our own flesh and our own carnal thinking and our own way. But we can say yes to God and say, let your will be done. I'm not a slave to my flesh anymore because Jesus redeemed it in that moment. That's what I believe. We see that a, a crown of thorns was placed on Jesus's head. And I don't know about you, but I, I've learned over the years to, to not picture, you know, just a little crown of thorns being dropped on his head. I believe it was placed there and driven into his head. I mean, there's blood streaming from his head as this crown of thorns is being forced into his head. I believe it was a bloody, ugly mess, but I don't believe it was incidental. I believe in that moment, he was redeeming our mental health. And those who have been tortured with our thoughts and tortured with our minds and confused about our identity and not understanding who we are, where we are. Listen, I believe depression and anxiety and all those things were redeemed at that moment. It wasn't a random, trivial act. I believe every step of this was purchasing something for. Are you with me on this? I mean, Jesus hung there hung there, not clothed in a way that would honor and distinguish him, but in a way that would shame him at that moment. I don't believe that the shame he felt was just random. I believe the shame he was feeling was redeeming our shame. 
and so that you and I don't have to walk around in shame anymore. Listen, God loves you. He's not embarrassed by you. He's not barely letting you into his family or your kingdom. He loves you. You don't have to walk around in shame. Shame will shut you down. It'll, it'll, it'll make you extricate yourself from the blessings and honor of God. Shame is not for you. It's been redeemed. You tracking with me on these thoughts? I, I hope today I don't answer every question you have. I hope, I, I hope this message stirs questions in you that drives you to the word where you begin to dig and find out what all has been redeemed for you. I believe every step that Jesus was taking was purchasing something for us. And my desire for us as the body of Christ is that we would know we would walk in it all. Bible says in Isaiah chapter 53, where we were a minute ago, uses this phrase, the chastisement of our peace was upon him. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. In other words, part of the redemptive process was that the work that he did brought the chastisement of our peace upon him. What does that mean? If you're reading the King James, that's kind of hard to understand what that means. The word chastisement there means correction. Okay. And in the word peace there, you know, in, in English, when we say the word peace, what do we think of? We think of just calm feelings. What is it? Netflix and chill. Is that the wrong thing? That's, I think I just used that wrong. I apologize. If you're watching online, you'll see that Jody is not right. We need to edit that. When in English, when we think of peace, we just think of calm. Like my thoughts are calm. But the actual word there means so much more than that. If you look at the, the origins of that word, it, it really means this. You ready? Completeness. Wholeness. One way I've heard it described, and I love this, nothing missing, nothing lacking. So we read it and we say this. The correction for our wholeness was upon him. He didn't just pay for our sins, he purchased our wholeness so that Jody can have nothing missing and nothing lacking. Walking in the fullness of what God has for me. Are you with me, church? So I say all this to you for this, just to drive this one point home is that Christ has redeemed more for us than we know. I started preparing for this message. Really what I wanted to teach on was healing because it also says in Isaiah 53, 5, that by his stripes we are whole. By his stripes we are healed. And so I'm, I'm looking at our congregation and I know people, I know people who, who have sickness in their life. We've dealt with COVID. We, we have some, some of our people who we love dearly and they're actually currently fighting with cancer. And I certainly don't want to say anything that would make, if you're, if you're fighting with sickness, I certainly wouldn't want to say anything that would make you feel condemned. Like if you really, if you would get it together, you wouldn't have this sickness. That is not what I want to say to anybody. Can I hear a big amen? That's not my heart. Because I understand, I've been sick. But when I look in the word, what I see 
is that my healing has been redeemed by the stripes of Jesus. And I can't overlook that. I can't, I can't look past that. And every time I'm dealing with sickness, I have what I feel, I have what I'm experiencing, but then I look in the word and I see that sickness and, and disease have no place in me because somebody has taken my place. That is what I deserve because of my, because of death entered through sin, but my sin has been paid for. There has been a substitutionary sacrifice and that substitutionary sacrifice got what I deserve. So I don't deserve sickness. Would you breathe in here this morning? So I'm just, I'm, I'm looking at this, admittedly saying, Jody is not walking in the fullness of this yet. But I look at this and I say, that's where I want to head. And I don't, I really don't want to be part of a family of God who changes our doctrine to meet our experiences I want to walk with people who say, no, this is the plumb line. The word is the plumb line. And if healing is the children's bread, then I want to learn to walk in healing. And if I'm not there yet, that's okay. I'm going to grow toward it. Because there's a promise. And we just sang a song a minute ago, and I loved it, about the promises of God. Church, God has made promises to us and, and some of us are not walking in it. Some of us have no idea that we could be walking in it. Some of us have never heard anything other than the fact that, that life ought to just be doom and gloom and or you take what life gives you and who knows what it's gonna look like. I don't see that in the word. What I see is that we have been redeemed. And so I hope, even talking about healing this morning, what I hope, is that the Holy Spirit, remember we need him to bring us revelation. So my prayer is if you're here today and I'm thinking about certain families that we know and love who you're, you're right in the thick of this thing and you've been standing on the word and you've been praying and you're doing, doing these things. The last thing I would wanna say to those families is, well, we'll just see what God does. No, 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 no. What I wanna do is I wanna take the word and I wanna pull up next to my brother and sister and say, we're gonna stand on this word and I don't care what the doctor says. I don't care what it looks like. By his stripes, I am healed. I'm gonna declare it. I'm gonna write it on my mirror. I'm gonna put it on an index card and tape it to the, the speedometer of my car. I'm, I'm gonna declare and stand on the word of God. If I was dealing with a major medical issue, that's the people I would want with me. Stand and no, we got it. So all I'm saying to you, church, is that Christ has redeemed more for us than we know. And really, as I was thinking about how to finish this this morning, I, I really... I think physical healing, if you're here and you need a physical healing, I want your faith to grow for healing today. I want you to become expectant for a healing. The God, the healer, the miracle worker, not only can he do it, but it has been done. By his stripes, we are healed. Your healing has been purchased. So if you're dealing with physical sickness today I just believe God's going to touch you and heal you I'm probably going to need a better response than that come on if somebody's sick in here today can we encourage them that God is going to heal you and touch you today
and we don't have to beg and plead and hold our mouth just right. It's done. It's done. Now, I want to say one little thing before I wrap up. I want to admit something to you. Here's all this stuff, the redemptive process is done. Christ has redeemed this for us. Well, then, Jody, why aren't we all walking in it yet? Remember, we just finished a series here a few weeks back called the Road Trip Series. And remember how we said that in Passover, children of Israel were released from slavery. There was a promised land already prepared for them. There was, there was a plot of land over there in Canaan with each of the Israelites' name on it. They had an inheritance that was theirs. It just happened that they were just coming out of Egypt and Canaan's over here. And you know what it took to get there? A process and a journey. So what I say to you is if you're struggling with healing this morning, struggling with sickness, I want to say to you that, that your healing has been purchased. But what we need to learn, we need to do is go through the process to get there. Because remember the children of Israel, they left slavery heading toward the promised land that was theirs. It was already done. But there was a process that they walked through called the wilderness. And in the wilderness, listen to me, you're going to get this wrong if you don't hear my heart. I'm not saying, well, God may just cause you to be sick for a while because it's going to help you. That's not what I'm talking about. The wilderness was about getting their thinking right. It had nothing to do with God. The wilderness experience was about them. It wasn't about God. The wilderness is where they learned how God works, what his nature is, what his promises are. They had to learn about the God and begin to know the God that had set them free in order for them to move into the fullness of their freedom. And so some of us say, well, Jody, I'm, I've been saved for a long time and I prayed and I didn't get healed. Okay, well, maybe there's some things you don't know yet about God. Not that God is withholding them from you. It's that you didn't know to ask. You didn't understand what has been there and you don't know how to walk in it yet. So if we put on the brakes, then we don't learn these things. Remember that in the children of Israel, that 98% of them missed it. The ones who had come out of Egypt and, and were free, only Joshua and Caleb and their families were the only ones who made it into the fullness of the promised land. Most people missed it. So what I'm saying to us today is if we're not careful, most of us will miss it. Not that God's withholding us it from us. It's that we aren't learning and pursuing and knowing the heart of God so that we can get there. Breathe if you're okay. You see what I'm saying? And so I'm, I'm, I'm not up here saying, look, you know, all you got to do is just throw your hands up and just say Jesus and everything works out. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that I believe God, Jesus has redeemed more for us than we know. But we have to learn and grow. See what all he's done for us. See how to allocate it, how to walk in it so that God would prepare us, prepare us to walk in the fullness of all that he has. Are you okay with that?
So specifically this morning, what I was wanting to do was deal with people who have sickness in their bodies and you need healing. I just want you to say, I just want you to know there's hope. There's hope. But also another thing that I was really interested in this morning, I believe God wants to deal with is not only our physical health, but our mental health. Mental health. Because Jesus has redeemed our peace, our wholeness. And specifically, I want to walk very carefully into this. I want to say maybe either in this room or if you're watching online, I, I want to lovingly talk to people who are struggling with gender identity. You know, in, in our culture today where, you know, identity is a big word. Like, how do we identify? Do you identify this way or you identify that way? Listen, I believe, here's lovingly, let me say this. I believe it would be, a, it's a trick of the enemy. It's a, it's, a, it's a deception of the enemy that God would create you in one physical body and that you would then have an identity that fights against what God created. I believe it's a trick of the enemy to cause you to hurt, cause there to be pain, cause there to be destruction. The Lord loves you. We love you, not judging you. But I want to say this to you. Christ has redeemed your identity so that you don't have to be confused, so that there can be harmony and unity in you. And so I don't say this to be ugly. I don't. I say this out of love, saying I believe. I believe if you're here in the sound of my voice and you're struggling with gender identity, it has been redeemed and you don't have to walk in that. You don't have to live in that. There, should, there doesn't have to be confusion in all that stuff. Christ has redeemed it, church. Christ has redeemed it. Those of you, if, if maybe you're here or again online and you struggle with sexual identity, like, you know, um, you're, you're, whether you're homosexual or lesbian or gay or whatever it is, again, we love you, not judging you for that, but I just want to say Christ has redeemed that. Christ has redeemed confusion and all that stuff. Listen, there's a way it, it works. He created it to work in a certain way. And when it works that way, it's beautiful. But the enemy wants to pervert that so that it can bring death, life, death and destruction and theft. And so I just want to say to you, if you're confused in that way, Christ has redeemed it. I also want to say, if you're one struggling with depression and anxiety and all those things, Christ has redeemed your mental health. Christ has redeemed your mental health. He has. God's better than we think he is. And Jesus has done more than we thought he's, he's done. Listen, if you're struggling with addiction today, I want you to know that Christ has redeemed your addiction. You don't have to struggle with addiction to things. Come on. He's made a way to set us free. He's made a way to set us free. But it's the truth that we know that's going to set us free. The Bible says that you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. It's only the truth that you know that sets you free. And so I'm here today speaking truth, but more than that, I'm here today encouraging you to seek truth on your own. Dig in the word, find out what he's done for you. Find the promises that he's given you. Stand on them. When you don't see them, Keep moving, knowing that even when I don't see it, he's working. Even when I don't feel it, he's working. Come on. 
You never stop. Never stop working. Right? That's what faith is. Faith is not walking by what I see. Come on, my kids are out there acting crazy. But I got a promise from God that me and my house will know the Lord. So I'm not going to sit thumbing through Facebook, watching their craziness 24-7, letting my eyes determine what my truth is. No, no, no. I'm going to put Facebook up, and I'm going to just start walking around declaring, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the God. Right? That's what I'm talking about. Knowing that it's promised. That it's promised. Asking for revelation, seeking in his word. God, what have you done for me? Show me how to stand on this. Show me how to walk by faith. Abraham walked around for years, for years calling himself the father of many nations. They said, where's your kids? I don't have any. Hello, nice to meet you. I'm the father of many nations. Really? Where's the nations? Don't have any yet. What is that? That's walking by faith. So you and I can say, you know, I'm blessed and prospered of God. Really? Well, that car you're driving doesn't look like it. Yeah, but I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. Yeah, but the clothes you're wearing don't look like blessed. Yeah, but I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I'm healed. I'm making, I, that's not, I'm, I didn't mean to make fun of him. My dad, uh, but I'm healed, you know. Well, you don't look healed. That's okay. That's okay. I don't walk by sight. I walk by faith. And my faith says I'm healed and I'm whole and my family's in good shape and mentally I'm in good shape and I'm not split in my identity. I don't walk in depression and in anxiety. I'm not full of stress and strife and worry. Come on now. Who the sun sets free is free in the church. Stand up and declare your freedom. Whatever you need freedom from right now, begin to declare it. Begin to declare your freedom. Come on. Come on, I'm free. I'm free. Come on. Here we go. Addictions, addiction to drugs right now. If you're addicted or you know somebody who's addicted to drugs, let's begin to declare freedom right now. In Jesus' name, Lord, we declare freedom over my own life, over my own addictions. I will serve no one but the Lord. I will be a slave to no one but the Lord. Lord, I thank you that you're releasing people from addiction right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. If you need healing in your body, come on. Begin to just lift your hands right now if you need healing. And just begin to declare that by your stripes, Jesus, I am healed. I don't have to beg and plead and try to pry something out of God. No, it has been purchased for me. I receive it right now in Jesus' name. I receive my healing. I receive wholeness, completeness in Jesus' name. Come on, church. Whatever you need from the Lord, it's there. It's there. It's there. Can we just release shame right now, shame and condemnation? If you just feel beat up and that somehow you always fall short and that you're just not, release it right now. Come on, lift your hands up and release shame. My shame has been redeemed. I can come boldly to the throne of God. I can move right into his presence, not by my own strength, not by anything that I have done. It is strictly by grace and through faith that I have received my righteousness. My hope is in Jesus. 
My hope is in Jesus. Release it, release it, release it, release it. Whatever it is, church, whatever you need, it's already done in him. Last words Jesus uttered before he died. He says, it is finished. It is finished. Remember years ago, Jason, you'll remember this. Years ago, a, a, a preacher named Tommy Birchfield, who I loved. I mean, he was just, Tommy can preach, man. He said this, first words ever recorded that Jesus said was, it is written. The last words he said was, it is finished. He said, if you can find where it is written, you can say it is finished. Come on now. If you can find where it is written, you can say it is finished. I don't know, I just believe that today is special. There's just something turning, there's something changing right now in our body. I believe this is gonna be a pivotal moment for victory, right? I just, I just believe that there's gonna be a new level of anointing to set the captives free, not by anything we've done, but where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There is freedom, and I believe that God's bringing a new level of freedom and liberty among us. But we've got to learn how to reach out and take it, receive it from God. I didn't mean that, take it. We don't have to take anything. We just have to receive what he's done for us. And I just want to have be a, be a body that we're open to receive everything that he has for us. Would you pray this with me as we close? This is going to be our final prayer. Lord, we read in Isaiah 53, 1, where there's, there, 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 there's a, a process where you reveal things to us. So I am asking for divine revelation, even to the point, God, where if I've said something today that is not aligned with your word, that you would bring revelation, even that would show the correction to me as a pastor, if I've said anything that didn't align with your word, let, let the revelation of the Holy Spirit even go beyond that. Do y'all hear my heart as a pastor in that prayer? Bring us revelation today, Lord, that we would see you in no new ways, understand what you've purchased for us, and then begin to walk in the fullness of what you have for us. In Jesus' name. And everybody gave one big, loud, passionate amen.